Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. Nice. Sorry, I'm in a weird fucking mood. <laughs> Happy uh, non-denominational holiday to you. Happy solstice. And, or yesterday yeah. was the solstice, wasn't it? It was. It was. First day of winter. I got real dark real quick. But this also up. means it only gets lighter from here, right? You know, that is a great way to look forward into the year. I like that. It like only that. gets brighter from here. The days start getting longer today. That's true. That's Thank true. fucking God. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> it's my first time living in the North. I mean, I lived in Scotland, which was pretty dark for the first month that I was there. Yeah. But this is my first time like long-term living somewhere in the North. And yeah. it's dark and it's cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 4.30. I'm like, what the hell guys like yeah. why do you people do you live, live here? like this yeah <laughs> you know there are other places where it's 60 degrees and sunny right now but yeah just teasing i love detroit love being here like when i was facetiming maddie while she was living here and i was living in south carolina it would be light here and i'd be like jealous interesting i think you know i used to live in rochester well for college right there's just no sunlight. There. There's no sunlight. Have you felt any type of like, you know, seasonal affectional, I'm going to butcher this, SAD? Yeah. Seasonal affectional depression? Anything like that? I have not yet. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I've not yet. So fingers crossed, mm-hmm. it's not the kind of, we'll see like, I feel like January, February is going to be the real test when it's been this way for a while. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm hoping that I just am a little bit more resilient to that particular type of mental mm-hmm. anguish because I've got plenty of my own mental anguish. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I'm glad. I'm asking because sun lamps, they work. I use them. I was, mm-hmm. Yeah. No sunlight is terrible for your mental health, turns out. I've thought about getting one because yeah. even during the summer, mm-hmm. this office that I'm in has no windows. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I've wondered if I should invest in one. But to be honest... Yeah. The reason I haven't, I think we may have even talked about this on like a really early podcast. They all seem to be butt ugly. They are. They are butt ugly. I haven't seen one yet that's like a really nice like lamp from a design perspective. That's true. Should I just quit crit and do that? Nope. You know, screw digital products. Yeah. Hire some industrial designers. (laughs) Hell no. That sounds miserable. (laughs) That sounds (laughs) more money, more risk, more. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds. Can't be that hard. Right. It can't be, huh? Oh God! Yeah, this, is, this is where I hit. This is where I hit like a like a I'm <laughs> new like, hyperfixation. I'm like, reel it in, reel it in. <laughs> Come on, I see you. I see where you're going. Uh-huh. Let's. Uh... <laughs> yep, 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 yep. No hyperfixations. No. I'm gonna go tell. I'm gonna go tell Chris later, and we're gonna. Now this is my new side project. At the very least, it, you could probably make a funny shirt out of about SAD yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah, actually, I'm almost positive there are industrial design students from my college that have already done this now that i think about it probably anyway i don't know how's your end of the year shaping up this is the last podcast this is the last podcast of the year so i was feeling pretty good about things Mm -hmm. we've had a lot of stuff kind of up in the air but Mm -hmm. and it's still up in the air i've got a couple of verbal commitments Mm -hmm. but no signed paperwork i've got Mm -hmm. signed one uh, diagnostic for March, which was really exciting. I think that's the farthest out we've ever scheduled one. So would love to start doing more of that where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you don't need this work yesterday. You need this three months from now. Yeah, that we can do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we signed a diagnostic for March. I do have that paperwork signed. And then waiting on paperwork for a new design client that I'm really excited about. And then for sort of some continued work with an existing dev client. So Mm -hmm. But yeah, I got, got a bit of a gut punch last week. One of our team members told us that he's he's leaving. And you know, we talked to him to see if there was anything we could do and gave him the weekend to think about it. And then on Monday, he decided he's, he's definitely leaving. He's an incredibly kind human, super talented developer, has been with us for about a year, a little bit more. And just like we've become really close, formed a, mm-hmm. a really good relationship and so really, really hated to see him go, but he's going to a cool company. Yeah. I think it'll be a good fit for him. Big step up in pay mm-hmm. and probably will be a step up in terms of responsibility relatively quickly. And so I think it's the right decision for him and his career. And so for that, I'm, I'm thankful and I'm excited for him. 
but yeah, it kind of shook me pretty hard. You know, we had a lot of turnover at the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. which I think I took a little bit. I'm proud that we've always done a good job of like sending people off well. Like when people leave Crit, I never want it to be on a bad note. I want them to be happy for the time they spend here. I want to be thankful for that. And I always want them to do what's best for them. Like even if it hurts, then I'll usually ask if there's anything I can do to keep them. But I always want people to do what's best for them. That's always the right long-term move. I never want to yeah. bully someone into staying or or try to convince them to stay or make them yeah. make this harder than it needs to be but it still hurts and i think the stuff the turnover this spring it all happened like kind of back to back and so i it really shook my confidence and had me feeling like fuck like am i just have i created a bad culture and we made a lot of changes over the course of the year to try to make things feel a little bit more organized and to try to improve Mm -hmm. the mental health of the team change the way we were doing time tracking and some other things and and so then to make all those changes and then lose somebody else was was another just kind of like hit. Yeah. But, you know, in our exit interview today, we were had a really great conversation. You know, he told me he really didn't want to leave. He really loves the culture here. He feels like it's a really rare culture and it's really special mm-hmm. and one of the best teams he's ever worked on. But it just came down to he's a single dad and, you know, it was a, yeah. you know, a, a good opportunity for his career and he needed to do it. And so I, I respect that and I'm really again, thankful for the time we had with him. And and that really helped me feel a little bit better about it. Like, yeah, running an agency is so hard. It's so stressful. Like, there's always this risk of like, are we going to close that next deal? And it's always kind of looming over my head. And but the people are what makes it worth it. And we've always felt like our kind of mission, our goal with the company was just to create a really great culture and to create a great place for people to work. Mm-hmm. And so when people leave, it feels like we're failing at that. Like, oh, if we were really creating a great place for people to work, they wouldn't want to leave. But one, that's not necessarily true. Like people leave for all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. And he reminded me of that. And then he gave me just two really great pieces of advice, which are like, one, you can still help people without them staying at Crit. Like it's, he was like, I learned a ton here and I'm really thankful for that. And like, this has been yeah. a fantastic year. I'm really glad I was here. And I think a lot of the other people who were here would say the same and so maybe it's okay to have people sort of come and learn a lot and and then go on and then the other thing he said was like reminded me to focus on the goal more than the results he was like Mm -hmm. this has been one tough year you have a small team it's it's a small sample size just because a few people have left doesn't mean you're failing to create that culture and actually i would say like protect that culture and keep it because it really is rare and special and yeah. So one very wise, very kind thing for him to say. It was almost more like he was comforting me as as he was leaving <laughs> than vice versa. Uh-huh. And it was a good reminder to stay the course that these things happen and there's a million reasons. We are making progress. We are making Crit a better place to work all the time. Early on when we were starting the company, I looked at culture as kind of like, I was like, okay, we're not going to be able to afford to pay top tier rates. But if we offer a really great culture, we can attract people anyway. And we've also always focused on diversity and inclusion and trying to like learn a lot about about that and trying to build an inclusive workplace as part of that culture. And I think mm-hmm. this is a good reminder that you can't be a truly inclusive workplace without being a good business that can offer competitive salaries because there are lots of people who can't afford to take a pay cut just to work in a place because it has a good culture. So it's not like a you can have culture and not have a strong business. Mm-hmm you need both. You need to have a business that can support paying market salaries in order to have the strongest, most inclusive culture because people need to feel like they're getting paid what they're worth and they need to know that they're not having to give up something that could help them or their families to stay with you. And we don't pay bad. We we publish our salaries. I've had a couple people who've left who said salary wasn't really on their mind at all, Mm -hmm. but they're not, you know, in today's market, they're not, the top you can earn more working somewhere else yeah yeah especially even in today's market those who are like salary focused right change jobs every two years just because you get the salary bump that's tough dude i think i just have like secondhand terror like luckily you know we're young enough and at the stage where we haven't had anyone leave but the thought of like someone leaving and i don't know i've been thinking about this a lot too i've jokingly started 
saying like I'm a single mother of 10. But realistically, it's much more just like I'm a big proponent of like chosen family, Mm -hmm. especially with like my friends. And as much as I know that like there's this whole thing of like companies aren't your family and and all that. But like at the end of the day, like these are like my friends and the people I really enjoy going to work Mm -hmm. with. And like we've changed the way we do standups where recently it's just become 15 minutes of us just shooting the shit every you know in the morning just to say hi that's basically what ours are as well it's more about the social connection than it is Mm -hmm. updates and then it's also just there if you need to make an update yeah exactly and yeah it's just it's super hard just thinking like all i have playing in my head is just like the phineas song i lost a friend (laughs) but the reality is that one the companies aren't families i agree like i have a close relationship with all the people who work with us i consider them friends but there is a dynamic. It's a yep. different kind of friendship than someone I I don't work with and don't pay whose salary I don't pay. Mm-hmm. So I try to be aware of that. And then yeah, we do have to operate as as a team, not as not as a family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that relationship is real, and and so it does kind of hurt when you need to go in different directions. Yeah. As for both people, I I know the people who have left. It hasn't always been easy, mm-hmm. an easy decision to make. And but yeah, it's yeah. I do think that comparatively this time seems very different right i do think that like this turnover is something that like i I know that i'm saying this because i'm not going through it so it's very you know take so but it's like the fact that like i feel like you should be proud of this turnover because i think what it means is that kurt has factored into this specific person's growth right i think he's going on to something where he's super happy with and it's not so much of like a bad breakup where yeah he didn't enjoy his time it's purely that he's leveling up and eventually crit will be at a point where you can offer the same type of level up and i think that's i think it's something worth being proud of that your people are evolving yeah 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 and i am again i am really excited for him i know Mm -hmm. the folks at the company he's going to i'm excited for them i think he's gonna be a great addition to their team and it you know i think it's a really smart move on their part i was talking to an agency owner friend who's now 16 years in wow yeah. And he said, retention shouldn't be your goal. Your yeah. goal is to create the best possible team. Yeah. And I think I've probably talked about this on that on the podcast before. I think I mm-hmm. shared that. But he said, there are fantastic people he's worked with in the 16 years who only stayed for a year or two. And he wouldn't have hired anyone else. Like He's mm-hmm. still so thankful for that year or two with that really awesome employee. And I 100% feel that way. Again, a fantastic member of the team. He went mm-hmm. through some bumps with us this year and like really stepped up to the plate and in a big way and was hugely helpful. And I don't know what we would have done without him. So mm-hmm. I am thankful. And I think that perspective is important to remember anytime someone leaves. It's just like mm-hmm. would rather have that year with them than than nothing. So yeah. Yeah, that was probably one of our first episodes. I don't even know if that one's released. It might not be. That might be in the secret tapes. Yeah. Also funny how much it sounds like <laughs> like a breakup or like a I wrote yeah. a an email to the team because a lot of the team's <laughs> uh-huh. gone right now. A lot of the team's already on vacation. Yeah. And you know, his last day is going to be the end of the year because that was what made the most sense for him mm-hmm. and for us. And so he's gonna technically be gone before some of the team comes back. So I, I wrote an email letting everyone know and I felt like I was writing like a weird eulogy or something. I was like, he's not yeah. <laughs> like how do I make sure it's clear he's not dead? <laughs> But he is going to come back. Yeah. He's going to come back a couple of days after everyone else is back and join a stand up and just mm-hmm. say goodbye to everyone. And yeah, I'll probably like finish his offboarding. Like <laughs> honestly, mm-hmm. after the new year, just doing all the all the kind of like little stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm in a much better place today than I was yesterday. Yesterday, I just felt down all Good. day because I was just I just felt like I'd failed him or failed our team. Yeah. But I think our conversation today was a really great reminder that. That wasn't how he saw it. He didn't see it as a, yeah. as a failure, but was thankful for the time. And and that's how I should view it yeah. as well. One of the things as you're talking about this, that makes me like, have you ever thought about like a crit alumni program? I have, but it's one of those things where it's just competing yeah. for attention with a million other things that I need yeah, to be yeah, doing. Yeah. And I don't know if it mm-hmm. would be like a newsletter or just maybe an event once a year where we invite mm-hmm. people back and ask them if, they want to just hang out and have a conversation and just catch up or yeah. I don't know. Have you ever seen anyone do a successful like kind of alumni program and kind of what that would entail? Yeah. 
Okay, so the reason I bring this up is because I used to intern for this container startup called CoreOS. Mm -hmm. They got bought up by Red Hat, which then got bought up by IBM, and the initial core group of CoreOS people all left, right? And I had the opportunity to intern literally during that acquisition, and everyone, as I watched everyone left, but met everyone during that time. Those people, Mm -hmm. I don't think, knew each other until they got to CoreOS spend time together building that startup. And even after that startup, as they go to other places, we'll still hang out. So much that when I went to SF this one time, they all just like got together and like, we're like, hey, what's up? And we all got drinks together. And a friend of mine pointed it out of like, how crazy good of a culture that is that all these people still keep in touch and hang out together and do these things. And I, I don't think that an alumni program has to be something official as much as it's just like... It's just something that happens. Anyway, we've still been trying to crack the code of like how it happened, like whether it starts right recruiting or something within the culture. I have no idea. You never know. Yeah, yeah. And who knows what might happen in the future, right? Life is long. What's going on in Miss Green's world? You all just launched like three freaking projects back to back. We did. I'm tired. <laughs> the team is tired. I'm glad everyone is. Uh, a lot of people are off our our P, on PTO next week, which is which I'm glad. There's been a lot, but yeah, shout out to Threkey, Bastion Zero, and Halcyon. All those things were turned around in like a month. It was a lot. Maybe I think there was another project that was like two months. But regardless, so wild. a lot of things. A lot of things happened. Crazy, crazy last sprint of the year. We, and I, I think that's also why, you know, when I hear you saying, like, talk about like losing someone, I'm just like, like, I don't think, like, I don't know if we can function. I, like, I'm just thinking, like, there were days where people were, were out sick or on PTO. And I just remember, like, those were scary days. And it's kind of made me start thinking, like, okay, like, it's given me a, a long list of like higher things, people to hire for next year, especially like to hire for redundancy and all and increasing capacity and stuff. But it was fun, super proud of the work. I think the team did an amazing job with all three of those sites. The clients are super happy. So shout out to Halcyon, who is literally creating like the first anti ransomware engine, supplementing all the CrowdStrike Sentinel ones of the world to actually stop specifically ransomware. Shout out to ThreatKey, which is creating probably like the coolest or one of the coolest platforms for mid-market companies. They're doing, I think like the category they fall under is cloud security posture management, but I think they're one of probably the only tool that's doing, that's actually managing your risk profile for both SaaS apps and like cloud platforms, as well as other similar things. And this is now just a shill for all these companies. Is this a paid ad? Is this a sponsorship? I mean, they have paid you a good bit of money, I hope. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe that's what maybe Crit should also include in like we should include in our SOWs, like one free promo (laughs) at the end of the end end of successful delivery in our podcast. Just don't ask us about CPM. Don't ask us. (laughs) Don't ask us how many listeners we get. Highly attentive, highly supportive listeners. Yeah, highly influential, yeah. very important. Yep. Yeah, yep. lots of Gregs. If you want to get in front Greg. of Greg Wells, man, have we got the podcast for you. Yep. Watch <laughs> <laughs> him not even listen to stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then last one, Bastion Zero. Like, they're super cool there. Zero Trust has been this like weird nebulous thing where remote access has been like flawed for a pretty long time. And Bastion Zero is really cool because they come from a cryptocurrency world and then like built this really cool key splitting library. And now they've more or less solved like the issue of what competitors have solved. I don't think I should slander competitors on this podcast, so I will not. Anyway, three really, really cool startups and plus minus some other projects too. But I think three that I think were like honestly award-winning like cool man i'm proud of it yeah yeah they look really clean great job to you and your team thanks thanks do you all have a formula for like the content and copy that makes for a compelling SaaS homepage Mm -hmm. i think it changes also depending on it it changes because of the market our clients go Mm -hmm. for if they're enterprise it looks a little different if they're mid-market if they're SMB they all start looking very differently of like when we have a logo quilt or when we have you know product features or, or value propositions and stuff on the homepage and then it also depends on the stage of the company they're mm-hmm. at as well as the size they would like to seem so there's a lot there but I think 
above the fold has always been an appeal to emotion below the fold has always been an appeal to logic is kind of what we talk i would say appeal to emotion and, and call to action at the bottom but there's a good framework that i followed from brennan dunn for mm -hmm. agencies actually yeah about reiterating the pain to show the mm -hmm. reader that you understand the pain that they feel and that they're going through mm -hmm. and that it's real and that other people feel that pain too and then presenting a solution like hey yeah here's the solution and here's how we can help like here's this pain that is common that you are experiencing i get it i know what that feels like here's the solution yeah, i like that, that here's what that solution looks like with us i like that phrasing that's exactly what the end does so yeah, I think otherwise in terms of framework, so not so much formula. I think we just do a lot of just customer journey mapping and and understanding like what exactly is their ICP? And ICP being right, ideal customer profile or persona. I think that a lot of times when I talk to clients, we use the the we use the is it an acronym that's an acronym mm -hmm. right i'm blanking mm -hmm. on english okay i think we use icp a lot as a shorthand to, to honestly say like the specific customer personas that we talk mm -hmm. to rather than like a customer profile that is more nebulous we get pretty granular we end up giving them names like bobs nicks whatever they're almost hyper specific just before it becomes a problem we think about what terminology they use in there every day and write to that. I think I saw on a note about compelling copy in B2B SaaS website. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about above the fold, right? Like the first thing mm -hmm. that the reader sees, usually headline subhead, right? Like most of the mm -hmm. time. I've seen this argument on Twitter recently mm -hmm. about whether you should lead with the emotional appeal, which sounds like is what you all do, mm -hmm. or lead with kind of a a positioning statement, like a category. This is our category. This is what we are. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some debate about like, depending on your stage, if you're an earlier stage startup, leading with the category is sometimes helpful to help people figure out what they're looking at. And then mm -hmm. leading with them, like what you can do for them, then following with mm -hmm. what you can do for them versus leading with the emotion and then mm -hmm. having to sort of explain what you are further down. How do you think about mm -hmm. the right time to explain what you are? And it's kind of a positioning question too, because do you all try to match clients to a category or mm -hmm. do you all try to stay away from that so that people don't have preconceived notions? Mm -hmm. I think that's a fair question in terms of positioning statement or appeal to emotion. I think it really depends on like, it depends on the company, right? I think, and I would almost expect that the way you're positioning, like the way you you write the headline positions you and also explains what category you are pretty quickly mm -hmm. off the bat. But again, it goes back to audience, right? Sometimes if your audience is SMB or even mid-market, they might not even know that you, this category exists and this is the first time they're seeing a product like this, which means that you're telling them that you're solving a problem for them. I don't think they care to know of like your cloud security posture management, for example, because mm -hmm. frankly, the CTO of a startup has never heard of that because it's such a niche thing. Let's look at like Halcyon as a case. I think Halcyon is doing the hard job of category creation. It's like one of the most high risk, high reward things you can do yeah. in something like that. But anti-ransomware engine is part of their positioning statement. It's yeah, the, but it's also an appeal to that emotion and pain. But go ahead, sorry. No, sorry, I was totally interrupting you. Yeah, I thought we could okay. dig into that real quick because that's yeah. interesting and I, I think so true that whether or not you're doing, you are creating a new category is a mm -hmm. huge decision in building yep. any new business. So Gray Noise, another example of trying to create a category of yep. background noise, anti-threat intelligence, yeah. alert reduction. They can sort of squeeze into the broader threat intelligence category, but really they see yep. themselves as creating a new category. Versus if you were to say, just be like, hey, we're just building a better SIM tool or SIM. Mm -hmm. I still can't ever remember <laughs> which, which one is which. It's like GIF <laughs> or GIF. Yeah, that's like creating a category just takes a lot of time and money and mm -hmm. is a lot of risk. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get involved in trying to steer the companies you work with towards like whether they should position themselves as creating a new category or whether they should position themselves in a, a, an existing category? 
Yeah, I, I mean, like our clients come to us specifically to figure out their positioning statement. So yeah, it, the things that we take into consideration again, right, are what the competitive landscape looks like, but also honestly their budget and ability to raise money. Because frankly, if you raised two million as a C round, like maybe category creation is not the best answer because maybe just saying we're this but better is much more useful. And frankly, like honestly is an easier sell, especially when you, when, you know, our clients end up in bake-offs during sales processes and they're able to literally just say, but yeah, we're, we're better because of this. Yeah. So, so we definitely steer them towards or away. And I think probably usually on the second call, I almost always bring up like category creation is, is a thing we can do it, but maybe this is not the best idea. But I also think that a lot of the founders that we work with have an idea of what they want in terms of, because I think their inspiration to build a tool either comes from completely innovating on something or having used a tool, felt the pain of that tool, and then went, I can do this so much better, right? Which is why there's so many technical founders in security. So yeah, that's my final answer. So uh -huh. getting back into the, the nitty gritty, okay, if you're creating an above the fold headline for someone who is creating a new category, your advice is if they're creating a new category, should they establish what that category is, you know, right off the bat, or should they lead with emotion? Okay. I don't think that we have like a if this then that sure. thought to it. Yeah. I also think it There's depends nuance, on like sure. it, yeah. I think it depends on how direct the copy can be. Mm -hmm. So okay, I'm gonna stop using this appeal to emotion because now that like as I'm thinking about certain things, I think it's it is kind of just like an appeal to like an appeal to understanding the pain that someone is facing. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty much how we write all those headlines. Mm -hmm. And then when we write those headlines, a large part of it is a positioning statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's almost always actually, you know what? I think it's almost always both. Okay. To be honest. In the heading and subhead or in the heading? So just in the heading, you're you're trying to both appeal to the pain and position the mm -hmm. product. I think the subhead is usually a chance for us to elaborate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we can't find a way to do both in the heading, we will do it. You know, we'll supplement it right under the, mm -hmm. the H1. Yeah, I'm just like racking my brain for examples of things. Yeah, I almost think that above the fold, you should almost always have both. It's But it comes down to like how... Like when you kind of talk about category, right? Mm -hmm. Like depending if it's an enterprise product, we might go ahead and actually just throw the category like literally on there sure. as like a, not a subhead, but like a small H, like a header tag above the H. Oh, interesting. Because at that point you're dealing with like procurement departments who are probably thinking yeah, in yeah. category, established categories and they want to know what bucket you fit in. And yeah, yeah. And and also the evaluator who's doing, you know, going through that, that B2B buying cycle is, you know, going to see and it's like, okay, cool. This fits into the, the thing. This is going into the bake off. Yeah. Maybe. Right. And then they makes them look. So yeah. I guess it's probably not the procurement department department at that point, the evaluator is probably a better word because yeah, procurement yeah. would get involved once the evaluator has said, yeah. hey, I want this thing. Yeah, Interesting, cool. And then I thought you made a really good point when talking about like SMBs. It mm -hmm. can almost be useless for SMBs or early yep. stage startups to throw the category out there because it might not be some a term that they're familiar with. And so then you're having to mm -hmm. explain what this thing is rather than just speaking directly to their pain point. Mm -hmm. So like the example... The person who I saw talking about this online was Justin Jackson, who runs okay. Transistor, the tool that we use to host this podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And podcast hosting is a pretty good example of a very broad, well-established category. And it's like mm -hmm. kind of solving a problem at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's if you lead with, we're a podcast hosting company, like that's something that even anyone starting a podcast is going to know what that means and what that is. Mm -hmm. Whereas... If you are building a new ransomware engine, or maybe that's not the right example, but there are tools that that someone might not know what that category is. I think you're saying like cloud, mm -hmm. something cloud, which is oh, cloud there security, you go. posture management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cloud security and yeah. posture management. Mm -hmm. To a new startup, they might be like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. The way you write headlines is that you kind of like keep going up the pillar of pain and you keep abstracting, right, in some of the client work that we've won after an agent like a previous agency has done something is that at the end of the day like b2b platforms do one of two things they either like make you more money or they save Time. you money yeah and i think like sometimes we'll see headlines written of like x security tool 
saves you money because of whatever. And it ends up being a little too abstract and not enough. So there is always like a need to tell the like reader in terms of like, this is the large bucket slash category that this tool fits mm -hmm. in, whether it's cloud and points. You know, have you, have you seen like the momentum cyber landscape? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think like there's always something that alludes to like, okay, we fit into like this area of the world. Because yeah. if someone doesn't have prior knowledge, you need them to understand like why they should keep reading beyond. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's a good point. So it sounds like it's really about finding that balance between abstract enough that you're talking to pain points and you're getting them excited yeah. and not like confusing them with industry jargon. Yeah. And then detailed enough sort of real world mm -hmm. based in the real world enough that you help them tie this to something specific and not just yeah. some abstract thing that is hard yeah. to get excited about. And to be perfectly honest, like we're not always right. Sure. And part of it is because the product doesn't always have product market fit. And it's a continuous conversation with the founder of like, okay, like what are we going to try next? Mm -hmm. And that goes into ad copy, that goes into sales collateral, that goes into all the messaging things that happen. One of the things we have started doing now, now that we're going back to like writing copy and frameworks and formulas, one of the things that we will do is we go through a pretty intensive workshop on just messaging and we build out what's basically like a pretty large messaging deck that they can now, like most of the things written in the messaging deck can be taken and put on the website, but then they can also take bits and pieces of it and just use it in their sales deck because it, fundamentally, you know, it's the same words over and over again. And that messaging tech becomes like the single source of truth for everyone for however long we think that works, right? And then we do it all over again if we want to completely change the ICP. So what are some examples of the kinds of things you might include in that messaging deck? I think that so one of the things that I think is interesting for me is always a context slide of like, this is the world now. Mm -hmm. And this is the landscape now mm -hmm. with all its problems and solutions and everything, except there is a shift to this new world. Mm -hmm. And usually I'm having the founder or the client tell me what world do we exist in? What world are we moving to? And because of this shift, what has happened and what is needed? And that's usually that slide. That information is actually usually very useful also for the design team in terms of like a brief of like, okay, these are things that we need to consider. But it can be anything from like very small shifts within the industry to, you know, like grainers, for example, like like security, like everyone has a SIM and, and now everyone has the SIM plugged into everything. And the SIM is now every analyst is overloaded with alerts. And that's like the new world we're getting into where overall the industry's security maturity has leveled up a little bit. And now it's created this whole slew of extra problems and gray noise is solving that problem with background noise, right? So I remember, you know, at Black Hat earlier this year, we were talking about mm -hmm. how so many companies, their messaging just starts to feel very much the same. Yeah. And I remember sitting through multiple presentations where people would follow this format of like, yeah. this is the world now. And it all just seemed to be like, hackers are out there and there are lots of them and it's hard to keep up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you think some of the things are that people get wrong with that context piece? Is it again about like not getting specific enough or is it, is there any advice you have for people when they think about how to create, how to establish that context? Yeah. I think we talked about this in the lost tapes in episode one, actually. Cool. And this is the blog post that has never been written, but is in a notion board. I think the thing that we're talking about is purely for the fact that like security as an industry is commoditized, right? For the most part, I think it's very hard to tell the difference between, you know, one EDR platform to the other besides the very like immediate technical things of like it works on Mac versus it works on Windows and stuff like that. But like in terms of like effectiveness, it's very hard to actually quantify. And I think that's why new industries have popped up like controls validate or new things have popped up. But in a commodities market, there are only so many things you compete on. Specifically, one of them is that you compete on price, which is just how much lower you can price it for. And I think it does well for a lot of companies. And I think that's why some of their founders, this, the strategy is to end up going lower than enterprise. But I think there are a number of different things you do, you can actually do to stand out, specifically that all stem from just how good your creative is. Well, and specifically when we're talking about like that context piece, where do you mm -hmm. think people go wrong in establishing context versus like what makes a yeah. good message? A lot of the, the messaging I don't think is written with enough understanding of the pains that this specific person is going through. Like 
the conversations that I've had with CISOs of like, yeah, I don't have like this, this helps me prove that the team is actually doing something. And that's why I can defend however much money we have or is being allocated to, to the team. I see a lot of companies or sorry, a lot of startups check the box of reports because like everybody knows that reports are needed because everybody knows that whatever highest level security person in company needs those reports to show effectiveness. But there's nothing that like speak. But again, right. Or if you're not selling to that person, that maybe that doesn't matter. But going back, I think it's just a lack of understanding of whatever actual pain you're solving, mm-hmm. or it's too abstracted of like, I do think like probably one of the better taglines I've seen last year was honestly just like CrowdStrike's like we stop breaches, which goes back to a different theory that I have. There comes to a point where I don't think that you can completely differentiate your product from other products, especially when it's hard to like show effectiveness. And like the thing that I was thinking like, okay, like how do you write a positioning statement when your product looks and feels the same as like someone else's product? And it's purely off of just like, you don't write a statement that differentiates you. You just write a statement that distinguishes a specific part of what you do. I think that CrowdStrike's like We Stop Breaches was really freaking smart. I don't know if this is true in other industries, by the way. It could be. I think that first mover advantage is still pretty strong within security. It almost says we're the ones who stop breaches. Everyone else doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's smart on CrowdStrike's part because I don't think anyone else was saying that. I'm trying to think if I have any other questions about Mm -hmm. copywriting off the top of my head. Anything that we could use to like sort of tie us back in and bring us back to. Mm -hmm. What is the headline you're proudest of from the projects you just did? Oh, that's hard. Oh, I have no idea. I have a H2, not an H1 that I like. I think, let me make sure. Let me reread these. So I have a... Okay, I think the thing that I was really happy with was for Bastion Zero because now we're using it, frankly, in some other collateral and stuff. But Bastion Zero solves like solves the problem of like infrastructure access or rather like remote infrastructure access. It's this whole idea of like you use Bastions, you have zero trust, except current zero trust offerings mean that you have like a certificate authority and, and that certificate authority when it's compromised creates essentially just the single point of compromise for all of your companies. Bastion Zero removes that because it, it has a very cool key splitting library that's proprietary and and removes the fact that if your certificate authority with that's overprivileged is compromised, you attackers have access into your network, into your environment. One of the early things that the founder and I talked about or, or when we kind of went through all these exercises was like, yeah, you don't really have like a Bastion host or like people don't have like a Bastion host problem. People have a remote access problem. So anyway, the headline that I think I really like is just, it says like access granted, policies enforced, connections locked, and then work removed with an underline under work removed. You guys can check it out if you go to bastionzero.com. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Cool, man. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing some, dropping some knowledge on copywriting. Yeah. yeah anything else that you want to touch on today or anything else going on in your world? Yeah, I mean, I think end of the year, I'm very curious what Crit's goals are for 2022. Ooh, yeah. I can tell you. They are in written up in our playbook. Nice. So Austin and I just met in person when I was at the... I went to Charleston for a family wedding and we did an in-person partner meeting, which was really great. Nice. And we had a, a meeting with our coach. Austin and I see the same, started as a therapist, has kind of become a business coach. Uh, we see the same person. And so we did a like a two-hour session with him in person and both of us, which was really cool. And we talked about how things can still feel kind of disorganized or a little chaotic at times. And we came up with kind of a list of reasons why. And Austin and I started talking through those and realized we came to the decision that like one of the big reasons was that we would kind of go off on rabbit holes and that we weren't staying true to our vision, weren't staying true to our goals. And mm-hmm. and so we're going to try to put these more front and center. So we're going to mention them in our leadership meetings, in our all-hands meetings, in our sprint retros, and then just like make sure that they're posted in various places so that we can try to stay focused next year. And then we're also, Austin and I are trying to carve out some time individually to work just on goals, on projects that get us closer to achieving these goals. So we're really trying to focus more. So 
we pretty much had our 2022 goals defined already. We just refined them a little bit. So they are to hire an account manager, uh, achieve a 15% profit margin, launch an open source tool, run three diagnostics per quarter, hire an engineering lead, and launch V1 of the crit playbook. Nice. So yeah, account manager and engineering lead are two things that we feel like we need in order to just level up having a dedicated account manager whose job is to own the client experience. Right now that responsibility gets divvied up between our project manager and myself. And so there's no one like focused on it. And I think our projects are suffering a little bit because of it. And then engineering lead, same like Austin does a great job of managing the production team, but his deepest experience is on the design side. And so he's able to go much deeper in terms of guidance and mentorship with the designers than our engineers. So goes back to retention at the beginning of all this, like making sure that our engineers have clear guidance and goals and feel a sense of progress as they work here. The three diagnostics per quarter and 15% profit margin or the three diagnostics per quarter is essentially a sales goal, a sales and marketing mm-hmm. goal. You know, we need to get enough leads in the door to be able to close essentially one new client a month for a consulting session. And then of those, one or to every quarter should turn into larger projects. Mm -hmm. The open source tool is something new that we're doing that's part like to create a because we want to do it, we think it's interesting. And it's part like sort of a sales and recruiting tactic as well of like, hey, we want to get involved in open source. We want to contribute something to the security community. We have an idea that we're starting to work on. I'll, I'll share more about that as soon as we've decided for sure. And then that last one, so before we had something a little bit more vague, it was like define the elements of the crit way or trying to mm-hmm. basically get at like principles and process and all of this. And we decided to try to be more specific. And so we're really starting to think of the playbook the way we would think about a product. And so first we think of products, when we're starting a product from scratch, we think of them going through sort of an alpha phase, a beta phase, and a V1 phase. That's how we often... Mm-hmm position it to clients to help them think about kind of breaking things into small manageable chunks. And so we're trying to think of our own product, our own playbook as it's currently in alpha. Let's build a roadmap to get it to beta and then a roadmap to get it to V1. And let's, as much as possible, that roadmap should be kind of an iterative agile kind of roadmap where we're constantly adding and tweaking and testing and learning. So trying to really, really focus on that next year. It's like, how do we get the playbook to the point where mm-hmm. we're communicating more asynchronously and communicating through the playbook and not just through meetings. So yeah, those are our goals for next year. And then, you know, Q1, we were able to just kind of backtrack and go, what do we need to do in Q1 in order to hit those? But yeah, that's, it's the vision I have is a world where mm-hmm. we've got someone owning client success. We've got someone owning sort of mm-hmm. team success for the two major teams at Crit, which right now are engineering and design. Mm-hmm. Right now they're one team production. I would mm-hmm. like to get to the point by the end of next year that they're really two teams. And then we just hit some some good stability metrics and mm-hmm. you know get our, our lead gen dialed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of production of what you for what you just said because we, I think last time I told you we hired our first like full time engineer. I think my gut reaction is not to separate engineering and design, mm-hmm. but I also could be imagining something completely different from the form that you have in your head, right? So yeah, so I don't think we're separating design and engineering in terms of projects. Like projects, we still want a cross functional project team, and then projects Same. will have a project lead. But if we're thinking about teams in terms of like management and growth, we want to have mm-hmm. an engineer, someone with an engineering background over the engineers so that there's someone who has engineering experience who can speak more accurately to how do I help you level up your engineering skills? How do I help you progress? So for a project, we may still build a cross-functional team from kind of multiple mm-hmm. of these disciplines and we will, we absolutely would do that. And then mm-hmm. there would be a design lead and an engineering lead and you know, an account manager and a project manager and all that. But for a kind of career growth and career progression, we want the teams to be separated by discipline so that there is mm-hmm. a clear path of growth and someone who has been in your shoes who can help you mm-hmm. work your way along that path. Mm-hmm. No, that makes more sense from what you're saying. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Nice. We are also working on an open source tool. So cool. 
Yeah, we made the repo yesterday. That'd be interesting. Well, not yesterday, sorry. A couple last week, actually. But it feels like yesterday. Nice. Very cool. Is this the same as your top secret foray into mm. the no, product? It's different. World? It's different. It's related. It's very related currently. The 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 product is using the open source tool. Because we have to create it for the product, we figured we might as well just take it and open source cool. it anyway. Because hopefully it's helpful for other people. But yeah, that's definitely on our radar for 20... Uh, the product is on our radar for 2022. I don't know how much the open source tool is on our radar. Just I guess now, I but. can share the I, the lead, the sort of top idea we have for an open source tool right now and get your feedback on it. Okay, yeah, So go for it. We've noticed that a number of client projects have some version of the MITRE ATT&CK matrix. Oh, okay. In their tool. Yeah. And in general, the MITRE ATT&CK matrix is this big unwieldy kind of ugly hard to sort hard to filter thing Mm -hmm. and so we're thinking about building an open source probably view component but essentially a you know a front-end component that you can pull in that Mm -hmm. is has maybe a couple of light styling options and some Mm -hmm. filtering and sorting and just trying to rethink the ux of the miter attack framework and nice. create an easy way for people to incorporate the MITRE ATT&CK framework into their product and then like launch actions off of it. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. That's similar. <laughs> no <laughs> way. We're, we're, not, we're not doing anything uh, MITRE ATT&CK related, but it is like we see this in, we see this in security tools. So we, we figured we should just componentize it and let it be it, make it available. Yeah, we're just building React components. That's because we have to build React components for the mm-hmm. product. But yeah, no, I think, that's a, I think that's a pretty solid idea. I think, yeah, I wish we should just, just redesign minor attacks website. I would love that. <laughs> Crits, uh, yeah. Is that kind of the pipe dream that Miter, someone at Miter sees this and it's like, oh, wait, we could y'all like do something for us? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it is. This is also something we felt like we could bite off and tackle in the span mm-hmm. of a few weeks or a month versus we had yeah. a couple of bigger ideas that were going to involve like getting another party involved and mm-hmm. and doing some testing and like a lot more product design and everything. And so, mm-hmm. you know, really felt like this was sort of a good first foray into kind yeah. of creating some front-end security components yeah. and then, you know, expand from here. And I think it's a solid idea. Yeah, I think that would be wildly helpful. I think the interesting thing with R&D is always, especially when you have a service to side, is purely just capacity. Yep. And, um, and the opportunity cost, right? Of like, are you blocking mm-hmm. off time for this? Yep. And then it's not just the cost of like the actual yep. salary to get it done. It's also the lost revenue potentially. Um, yeah. Yep. It's tough. But at the same time, if you don't do this kind of stuff, you end up falling behind and your team is like, this yeah. is the kind of stuff that gets the team really excited and makes them, you know, it's nice to have ownership of something, yeah. you know, be able to make choices without running it by a client. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be worthwhile, at, like helping you improve your processes, and mm-hmm. so worth doing. But but sometimes tough to talk yourself into it a little bit. Yeah. Do you all have some other other goals defined, or are you all in the process of of creating those for next year? I have goals. I have goals. Also, oh, the all hands in half an hour, so I think I better have goals. I might. I will say the goals are subject to change as I finish up the presentation mm-hmm. for everyone, but um. The product is a focus, mainly because as we've had investment interest, Mm -hmm. it is now on my mind. But from an actual agency side, I think hiring a strategist is number one is on our radar. Someone to do and or a writer. Optimally, this person is a little bit of both, if not both. I've thought a lot about handing off account management and I've had a hard time finding Somewhat like understanding the skill set needed when it to interview for, which I would love to kind of hear as you explore that or figure it out with you. To be yeah, honest, I don't have the answers yet. I've started talking to some people yeah. and trying to figure it out, but I'm still a little ways yeah. off. Yeah, I'm trying to like. I feel like the best the people that I want aren't running agencies themselves. So <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. So <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna say? <laughs> We tried to hire Sean as our technical account manager like a year ago before he yeah, before yeah. Miss Grants went full time. Yeah. When's your one year anniversary, by the way? February sixteenth. Hell yeah. Yeah. That was my independence day. Internally we call it independence day. Okay, Just saying we, we are recording a podcast on February sixteenth. So we are gonna party. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. I did not know that. I might give everyone the day off that day too. 
Oh, um, well, then we don't have to record a podcast that day. Oh, no, no. That's why we're, everyone's going to come on the show. Hell yeah. No, um, I mean, other goals, I think, our main goal this year was client retention. There were something that I had a mentor tell me was like the one or two or three or five per points in margin is not worth just the pure customer satisfaction and relationship that you have this early on. And I was like, God damn it, you're right. I won't optimize for that then. But as we've grown, and I think we've grown pretty fast, we're like 10 people now, the same mentor was because we were having a conversation about scaling and what that would look like. And he was like, yeah, you can't really scale without form. And you don't seem like you have enough of a like, I think we don't have enough form in the fact that Kurt has a playbook. We have very loose process documents and things that and you know we use monday but in terms of how we like to do project management hasn't totally been set so because our project manager shifted to another position so a lot of the thinking has gone into creating more processes changing the way we do project management we i might just completely take time tracking off the table but that brings a new slew of issues when working with clients because they care even if i don't care and then i think oh so figuring out more like packages of what we sell so that they're more repeatable rather than like we're still I mean we're still in the stage of like because we know we can do like 8 million different things we will do 8 million different things but that doesn't always make the most sense reasons why I don't feel like we have enough of like a shape as an agency is just there's 10 people and there's one manager which is me but if we hire 10 more people people are gonna be very angry at me so trying to figure that part out so yeah that's cool. Very loose goals. Yeah, I like it. You should be really proud of where you are. I wish a year in we were where you all are. So thanks. Pretty, it's been well, pretty I cool have, to watch. Have, pretty cool to see. I have good friends who teach me things and record podcasts with me. So cool, man. Yeah. Well, cool. happy non-denominational holidays. It's yeah. getting brighter every day out from here. Yeah. Happy holidays to everyone listening. Bye, Craig. Yeah. Yeah, to everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. We just crossed 500 downloads, which seemed like kind of a small number. And then Sean pointed out that that means people have listened to 500 hours of us rambling, which is bonkers. Yeah, you got to... Oh, sorry. No, that's just wild to me. So thank you to everyone listening. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Also, shout out to Marion Hatch one last time for the year. Thank you for actually keeping this podcast possible because... I couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, and we were talking about Crit alum earlier, and there's a Crit alum who has started listening to our podcast. So, hey, Garrett. Happy New Year. Cool. Cool. All right. I'll see you later. All right. See you next year. See you next year. Bye. You just listened to Small Efforts, a podcast collaboration between Crit and Miscreants, hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.